Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. What a Mickey Mouse media we have in this country. Absolute, pathetic, corrupt joke. Corrupt. They pretend they care about the well-being of the president, commander-in-chief. They could give a damn. They wish he would drop dead tomorrow. You and I know it. This line, you know, we all wish him the best, and then Attack, attack, attack. And they have these narratives that they just keep pushing. That the president has downplayed the virus. Really? president's been in charge of Operation Warp Speed to try and get a vaccine as fast as possible to save as many lives as possible. We've got new therapeutics out there that we didn't have. We didn't have. That were developed in warp speed time. He's the one that got the ventilators. He's the one that got the PPEs. He's the one that had the extra hospital beds built. But he didn't take it seriously, ladies and gentlemen. He's the one that's had to deal with an economy that collapsed as a result of this virus and as a result of punitive decisions made by some of these governors through emergency powers that now at least one court in Michigan says the Supreme Court of Michigan, the governor there didn't even have, and I doubt most of them do. Day in and day out, we saw what he was doing. Day in and day out, he was meeting with hundreds and hundreds of people. The task force, scientists and other experts in the federal government, in different federal agencies, people in the private sector, experts, all kinds of people providing advice to the President of the United States. Biden sits there in his basement, eating pistachio nuts and Lay's potato chips, shooting spitballs all over the place, never lifts a finger, can barely complete a sentence. President of the United States, day in and day out, we saw it on video. We know what he's been doing. And yet, 
They keep telling us he's been downplaying the virus, and now maybe he'll take it seriously. Now maybe that he's got the virus, maybe he'll take it seriously. How sick is this? They say he doesn't follow the science. He's been following the science since day one. He's been trying to accommodate governors who've made bad decisions in terms of prioritizing their budget and their health needs in their states, and they're the, they're the front lines. He's been filling their gaps left and right. He's been pushing through Congress these massive relief bills. Now he wants to focus more on the virus, and now Nancy Pelosi holds him up and says, no, 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 not until you bail out the blue state governors and their pensions. Pensions? Oh, yes. Only then will we help the unemployed. Only then will we help restaurants. Only then will we help airlines. She holds a gun to his head. She's never criticized for anything. She has the gall to go on TV the other day to basically say the chicken's coming home the roost for the president of the United States with a mask. This is the woman who tried to sneak into a salon without a mask. Joe Biden lecturing about what he would have done with the virus. He basically, as he always does, plagiarizes what the president did do. But he had a shot 11 years ago, utterly and completely blew it with the swine flu. And we've been through it. I don't need to go through it again. But the narrative that the media, our corrupt left-wing media, keep pushing, that he downplayed the virus. Really? Signing trillions and trillions of dollars in spending bills? Already has contracted for the production of the vaccines should they come off the, uh, the uh, scientific table relatively early. He's already contracted for the distribution. They've already put in place a regime on how it's to be distributed. Does this sound like a guy who's downplaying a virus? Does it sound like somebody who doesn't take it seriously? Why? Because he doesn't wear a mask every single minute of the day? They have no idea how he got this virus. Lots of people who wear masks and socially distance are still getting the virus. It's a virus. And there's no 100% foolproof way to deal with it. Either in your own life or your family's life or any business. Or even if you're president of the United States. Then I hear he didn't protect us. He didn't protect his staff. He didn't protect the Secret Service. What are they talking about? He didn't protect us. He took steps that the Democrats and the media opposed. We know what they are already. Travel bans from and to China. Travel bans from and to Europe. Fauci was opposed to it. He did it anyway. He did it anyway. What is it? We haven't shut down the economy so we look like North Korea and handed the election over to the Democrats? This is what they're upset about. Their media and the Democrat Party media and the Democrat Party pushing these, these lies and these narratives while he's in the hospital. Protecting the Secret Service, I heard my buddy Bongino say. All of a sudden, they're worried about law enforcement. Not when they're getting beaten over the head. Not when these Antifa Black Lives Matter and other running around, spewing, spitting, throwing Molotov cocktails. They never had a problem with that. Nancy Pelosi calls them stormtroopers. James Clyburn calls them Gestapo. They're called secret police. All of a sudden, the Democrats and the media are worried about law enforcement. How disgusting is this? How transparent and cynical is this? Unbelievable. He didn't protect his staff. 
I've gone into that Oval Office at least four times since this virus. You are tested before you can go into the Oval Office. You must socially distance when you're in the Oval Office. I have no idea what they're talking about. None. And neither do they. And the president's going to be walking out of Walter Reed Hospital sometime this evening, sometimes during the course of this program, because he wants to get out and he wants to lead the country. He's a serious man. He has a serious job. Joe Biden has never been a serious man. 47 years, nothing to show for it, nothing. They concoct a fiction around this man. A fiction that somehow he's a leader because he wears a mask. It's appalling. His SUV ride. Look at the Secret Service members. Look, look how he endangered them. He didn't endanger any of them. Last check, none of them got sick from Trump. But they're worried about the Secret Service. Were they worried about the Secret Service at Lafayette Park when they were being attacked? Not in the least. Not in the least. They attacked the Secret Service. They attacked the park police. They attacked federal law enforcement, the Attorney General, the Department of Justice, the President of the United States. And now all of a sudden, they genuflect. And this is what they do. They genuflect. Oh, the poor Secret Service. Anything to destroy Trump. Anything. Even when he's sick. Even when he has the virus. What this shows you is anybody can get the virus. Even with masks and socially distancing and tests and all the rest. It is a a horrible, horrible virus. And yet, the mortality rate is very, very low for the vast majority of the population. You don't see criticism like this. You don't see criticism like this for Andrew Cuomo, for Phil Murphy, for Pritzker, for Newsom, for Whitmer, none of them who shove corona-positive patients into nursing homes and into assisted living homes. Forty percent of the people who are dead are dead from nursing homes, assisted living homes, and that age group. Have you heard a single, single Democrat, Biden, Harris, criticize what was done? There is affirmative steps taken that killed people. Affirmative steps. Apparently, they didn't take the virus seriously. You never hear that. You never hear that. The President of the United States didn't put out those directives. Those governors put out those directives. How do I know? I have three of them right in front of me. And yet the media pretend they don't exist. Biden pretends they don't exist. Harris pretends they don't exist. They all pretend they don't exist. This president has moved heaven and earth to deal with this virus. And they're trying to use it to bring down his presidency. Just like they tried to concoct a Russia connection to bring down his presidency. Just like they tried to concoct Payoffs and tax evasion and tax violations when it comes to Michael Cohen. None of that has occurred. None of it. 
Three weeks ago, we're talking about an Atlantic article. Two weeks ago, we're talking about a Bob Woodward article. Two months ago, it was John Bolton. Anything and everything, they just throw it against the wall over and over again because they think you're stupid. And because they know 40% of the country is stupid. We call that the Democrat base. Meanwhile, what's the scrutiny on Joe Biden's health? None whatsoever. None. Everybody knows he has issues. Everybody knows he has issues. Do they ask for medical records? Do they ask for tests? Nothing. Zero. What about the country? Would the country be endangered if somebody like this is president of the United States with a finger six inches away from the nuclear code? No, 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 no questions. Nothing. What about his record in dealing with a a virus that doesn't even come close to the complexity and difficulty of this virus? What about, not a question to Joe, not a question about what he failed to do, nothing, nothing about his health, no transparency, nothing about his failures when it came to to the swine flu, nothing. Zero. Nothing. More when I return. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great, free, online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. They tried to create a scandal. And, well, you know, we're not getting the straight information on the president's health transparency. On the one hand, the doctors tell us this. On the other hand... A top White House official who they, they later tell us, Mark Meadows, tells us something completely different. No, he didn't. He told them what took place and why the president went to the hospital. The doctors were talking about the condition of the president at the hospital. And they try and turn this into a scandal. You know, we have a right to know. and We have to get the facts. After all, he is president of the United States here. And then the Democrats started, and the, and the media started. They all sound the same. You know what? Uh, we can't trust anything John Carl says of ABC or this White House. Because they lie all the time. They just lie and lie and lie. And the, and the hilarity here is Joe Biden's entire career is a reputation as a liar. And so during the debate last week, what is he? You know, you're a liar, 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 liar. Now, the media know full well. Well, they should, but maybe they're ignoramuses, so they don't. About the history of presidents and their health situations. And after the bottom of the hour, I'm going to go through a couple of these with you. 
And by the way, Facebook. I'm, uh, I haven't forgotten Facebook. Facebook is uh, definitely trying to censor me. They're trying to censor me before the election. They've gone back to articles I posted in July and ding me on them in September. Articles from reputable sources. You can see their left-wing agenda play that this is fake news because the scientists tell us climate change is also this, that sort of thing. And I'm not going to stand for it. And in the end, if there's nothing I can do about it, we're going to leave Facebook. And I'm going to take, hopefully, a million and a half of you with me. And we'll go to uh, other... What's that? We'll go to Parler and so forth. I already... Funny thing about Facebook, I have over a million followers on Parler now. I've had 1.5 million at Facebook forever, right, Rich? Pretty much forever. We, we never seem to add anybody on Facebook. So I'm convinced they have their little hit team out. They follow Media Matters pretty much. And I'm not going to put up with this bull crap. I'm just not. And so if there's nothing I can do about it, and we're looking into it, trust me. Trust me. Uh, then we're going to drop them like a hot potato. Because uh, Facebook is not an honest purveyor of information. It's not what they claim to be, sort of a public square of information. They're obviously targeting my show, targeting me, right up the election, because I'm very effective and you're very effective, and they're trying to influence the outcome of this election. My view, they're in violation of federal uh, campaign laws, the way they're conducting themselves. Uh, They're interfering with my business, and uh, we'll see how this plays out. We'll see how this plays out. They they have a lot of protections, and all that has to be stripped away. It all has to be stripped away. We're not going to put up with this crap. I don't monetize my show on Facebook. We don't get a penny from Facebook. Other hosts do. Other people do. We don't. Facebook benefits from me and my show and 1.5 million or so of you on Facebook. Besides, Facebook is getting old, isn't it, Mr. Producer? It really is getting old. More on that a little bit later. After the bottom of the hour, I want to tell you about a couple of presidents that the press protected. Of course, they're Democrats. But Donald Trump, there's nothing Donald Trump can do, even when he's sick. Even when he wants to thank the people who, are, who came from all over the country to support him at the, uh, at the hospital. If it were Barack Obama, they'd say, wow, look at him. What a leader. Look at, look at Barack. He's just unbelievable. He's kind. He's compassionate. People came out. Even though he's sick, he's, you wouldn't hear anything about the Secret Service, which he treated like S. Obama treated the Secret Service like crap. And Michelle was even worse. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today, we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com. 
for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. You know, we're doing one kick-ass show after another here. I'm glad you're with us. Whether you're here on terrestrial radio or on our podcast or other forms of listening to the program, satellite is a perfect example. We want to thank you very much. It's very important to lead up to this election, each and every minute of each and every broadcast hour. All right, let's look at three Democrats. Just so you have some perspective. Because I don't make any bones about it. The media in this country, I despise them. I wrote an entire book on them because they're frauds. They're filled with Democrats. They're filled with social activists. They have abandoned objective uh, journalism, and they have destroyed... Uh, the free press. They have absolutely destroyed it. Here we have a piece from the great Daniel Horowitz at theblaze.com. Woodrow Wilson. What did Woodrow Wilson say when he contracted the Spanish flu in 1918? He said absolutely nothing. In fact, not only did President Woodrow Wilson fail to speak out about his own illness, there are no known records of major speeches ever delivered by the 28th president about the Spanish flu, which killed the equivalent of 2.2 million people in today's population. 2.2 million. And the median age of the death? 28 years old. The Spanish flu was a greater calamity than COVID-19 in every way, and President Wilson got a lot sicker from it than President Trump has from this virus. In April 1919, after the worst of the Spanish flu had passed, Wilson contracted the virus in Paris while meeting at the Big Four peace talks about the aftermath of World War I. Rear Admiral Carrie Grayson described the president as having been suddenly taken violently sick with the influenza at a time when the whole of civilization seemed to be in the balance, quote-unquote. Wilson never discussed his illness publicly, and the country was unaware of the extent of his illness at the time. Now, this silence reflected a broader mentality at the time and understanding that the ability of human beings to change the arc of a respiratory virus through public policy is extremely limited. Let me repeat that. The ability of human beings to change the arc of a respiratory virus through public policy is extremely limited. Look today all over the world. With this in mind, he says, Horowitz, I was curious to research what Wilson had said about the Spanish flu, During his 1918 State of the Union address, that year the address was delivered on December 2nd, just weeks after the peak months of the virus, when hundreds of thousands of very young Americans died. What words of healing and inspiration did Wilson offer? What sort of public policy promises, proclamations, mandates, and restrictions did he announce? None. He didn't say a word. Absolutely no mention or fleeting reference to the Spanish flu and that or any other State of the Union address, or any other major speech for that matter. It's truly hard to overstate the enormity of this observation, especially looking through today's COVID-obsessed political lens. The State of the Union address was a big deal for Wilson. The fact that Wilson failed to mention a word about the virus, even amid the fallout 
from World War I speaks volumes. This virus today is not nearly as devastating in terms of the true death toll and years of life lost as the Spanish flu. But still, imagine Trump delivering the address in a few months and failing to mention a word about the coronavirus. The reality is that society understood in those days that a respiratory virus, unlike a war, is a God-made plague and that there's little that can be done to mitigate its spread. There's no known method of arresting the spread of a virus and making it disappear. The best we can do is focus on treatment, which is thankfully getting better. And we've talked about what the president's been doing. And then Horowitz makes this very, very important point. Rather than educating the public on the best use of vitamins, zinc, hydroxychloroquine, and other available remedies, the so-called public health experts sold us a bill of goods that somehow we could avoid getting the virus by hiding and running forever. We now see that it's foolish to think you can run or hide from or arrest the spread of a virus, a respiratory virus. In past generations, they understood that trying to stop the spread of flu-like viruses is a fool's errand. As Dr. Andrew Bostom, an academic medical researcher, an associate professor of family medicine at Brown, who you'll never see on these Sunday shows, noted on Twitter, barely anyone remembers the Hong Kong flu of 1968 or that President Johnson was hospitalized with the Hong Kong flu of 1968. As Mr. Bostom notes, the adjusted death toll for the 68-69 Hong Kong flu will be 265,000. A similar dynamic played out in 1957 during the Asian flu, which killed even more people, especially when considering there are so many more seniors in America today. Trying to ask your parents if they remember living through these epidemics. Go ahead and ask them. Everyone remembers Woodstock in 1968. Very few remember the Hong Kong flu or the Asian flu. That's because public health officials realized that disrupting people's lives would only harm society, not spread, uh, uh, the spread of a respiratory virus. As D.A. Henderson, the former dean of Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, who's widely credited, with helping to eradicate smallpox, wrote in a 2009 analysis of the Asian flu, quote, this was in recognition they saw no practical means for limiting the spread of that infection, unquote. He warned in a paper a few years earlier, quote, experience has shown that communities faced with epidemics or other adverse events respond best and with the least anxiety when the normal social functioning of the community is least disrupted, unquote. Not only have today's so-called experts repudiated the concept of normalcy and some of our leaders, so-called, they've turned a national panic and psychosis into a new normal. And we are continuing to pay for the consequences of 15 years to flatten the curve. 15 years, they say. Now, medical transparency. In a period of 48 hours, we knew everything the president had gone through and what was going through. But it wasn't good enough for the weekend hosts on cable and other, st- and other networks. The president was lying. You can't trust this White House. I did a little bit of research, as I always do, but obviously far more than all the media put together. The Atlantic Magazine, 
of all places. Archive, in August 2013, the medical ordeals of John F. Kennedy. The core of the Kennedy image was, in many respects, a lie. A presidential biographer granted access to medical files portrays a man far sicker than the public knew. And that's Robert Dalek. The lifelong health problems of John Kennedy constitute one of the best-kept secrets of recent U.S. history. No surprise, because if the extent of those problems had been revealed while he was alive, his presidential ambitions would likely have been dashed. Kennedy, like so many of his predecessors, was more intent on winning the presidency than on revealing himself to the public. On one level, this secrecy can be taken as another stain on his oft-criticized character, a deception maintained at the potential expense of the citizens he was elected to lead. Yet there's another way of viewing the silence regarding his health, as the quiet stoicism of a man struggling to endure extraordinary pain and distress and performing his presidential and pre-presidential duties largely undeterred by his physical suffering. Does this not also speak to his character? And it goes on. How sick this man was. He had Addison's disease. He had many diseases. He was a very, very ill man. Throughout his presidency, he had chronic back problems on top of everything else. Donald Trump didn't do any of this. In 48 hours, we know everything that had happened to this president and everything was happening. Hey, how many times did he get oxygen? Well, at the hospital twice. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not because he was dying, not because it was deadly. <clears throat> By the way, the president's on the way back to uh, the White House. Then there was FDR. Another big-time left-wing Democrat. Washington Compost. Wow. January 24, 1982. They don't even look at their their own damn archives. The life of Franklin Delano Roosevelt is an astonishment. In 21, at the age of 39, he was struck by an attack of infantile paralysis, which left him paralyzed below the waist for the rest of his life. And in a time when the severely handicapped were seldom even seen in public, FDR resumed his political career. Twice elected governor of New York. In 1932, of course, elected president. No one else in recorded history of mankind has chosen as the leader of the people, even though he could neither stand alone nor walk. They go on to explain how they tried to cover up his paralysis and his use of braces. Throughout his 12 years in the White House, Roosevelt led the country from a wheelchair. He was helped most often lifted bodily into, into and out of cars, tubs, chairs, or beds, Journalist John Gunther reports it was a startling experience to see the President of the United States being carried up and down stairs like a sack of potatoes, quote-unquote, as his son James once described it. But they did what they could to keep it out of the camera's view. And journalists at the time, well, they liked FDR. And so most of the time you saw none of that. You see pictures now of it. You see more pictures of it now. Than, they, than the American people saw of it then. FDR, JFK, Woodrow Wilson, nothing President Donald Trump has done comes close to what these three men did. Close. And yet all weekend long, we have a right to know the condition of the president. Well, of course, we did get to know the condition of the president. No, we need to know right this damn minute, right now. Why, do you care about him? And then they go about the 25th Amendment. They don't even know what's in the 25th Amendment. 
Nancy Pelosi's ask about power. What happens, Nancy? You know, have you been briefed on this? <laughs> no, I haven't. You're second in line. Nobody said anything to you. And then, of course, what's the effect on the campaign? Now the American people, are they going to see a president who's now going to take this virus seriously? Because we all know he hasn't. Despite all the meetings, hundreds, thousands of experts, despite Operation Warp Speed, despite, despite pushing for vaccines and therapies, some therapies so cutting edge they were used on the president. All this talk about the Army Corps of Engineers and ICU beds, all this talk about ventilators and respirators and PPE, no more, no, no, no. When is this president going to take this seriously? This is why you hate these bastards in the media. And you should. You don't like being lied to. You don't like it when they they trash one man in the Republican Party while they build up another man in the Democrat Party. Biden will never be asked questions about his mental health. His wife said, Dr. Jill, no more questions. Oh, oh, okay, we're done. No questions at all about how a country how a country can be led by a man like this. You would have heard over and over again, if it were Ronald Reagan, my God, nuclear weapons in the hands of, a, of Ronald Reagan. How about nuclear weapons in the hands of Joe Biden? We don't hear about that, do we, ladies and gentlemen? And you never will. The only people who have downplayed this virus are Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden. They said nothing serious about it, nothing affirmative that we should do about it, despite Joe's extensive experience in dealing with the swine flu, and despite the fact Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have been around forever. Not once did they say, hey, Mr. President, how can we chip in and help you? What do you need from us in Congress? What do you need from us in the Democrat Party? What can we do? Not a damn thing. Because they want this issue to run on. You know what they're not running on? This document I have in front of me, their 110-page Communist Manifesto. Has Joe Biden even read it? No. Has Kamala Harris even read it? No. Bernie Sanders read it. His people wrote it. AOC wrote it. Notice how little's discussed about this, this 110-page Communist Manifesto. It is a disgusting attack on the core of this nation. And we never hear a damn thing about it from the media, do we? I'll be right back. Lovin. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great, free, online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America. 
and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. President of the United States, his helicopter's landing on the, uh, not the South Lawn exactly, I mean technically the South Lawn, but near the uh, uh, White House uh, entry, uh, and I'm sure he will be walking in there shortly. Um, it's a 74-year-old man. He's got the energy of a 30-year-old man. It's, it's incredible. He really is a remarkable human being in so many ways. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what this election is about. It has nothing to do with anything you've heard all weekend long. It is amazing to me that they're counting how many times the president interrupted during the debate and how many times Joe Biden interrupted during the debate and that you and I are supposed to be influenced by that when we vote. Folks, what does that have to do with your life? What does that have to do with your business? What does it have to do with your job? What does that have to do with your ability to put food on the table? Absolutely nothing. The media are obsessed with themselves. These are egomaniacs. These are narcissists. And then you have these people going on these different shows looking for ways to trash the president, to get even with the president. I don't care how many times the president interrupted. Why don't they keep a list of how many times Joe Biden lied through his four teeth? Over and over and over again. That was his tactic. He got two minutes, lie 17 times, then throw it to Trump, and then Trump doesn't have a time to answer it all. Meanwhile, Biden interrupted Trump first. But this is, this is idiotic. This is only important to Washington, D.C. The fact is Joe Biden didn't give anybody any reason to vote for him for president of the United States. Not any reason. More when I return. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, it's amazing president was in the hospital for three days and he was given over-the-counter drugs vitamins that seemed to work as well as remdesivir which didn't even exist six months ago this combination of medicines include and, and, and vitamins including zinc and vitamin D3 and uh, other over-the-counter medicines, a combination or a cocktail they talk about that they feel has a positive effect on this. This was utterly unknown five or six months ago. Utterly unknown. So it's quite remarkable <clears throat> Excuse me, how far we have come in six months and how many lives have been saved. And he's also demonstrated you can be 74 years old and come through this. And I dare say six months ago, maybe he wouldn't have. 
So to say the president hasn't done anything, he acted too late, he doesn't take this seriously, really is offensive. The exploitation and politicization of this pandemic, probably the first time in American history. Probably the first time in American history. And so they're trying to rip the president. No matter, you know, they're watching the president. They're watching him on the helicopter. They're watching him how he gets off the helicopter. Does he have a mask? Doesn't he have a To attack him. You cannot let the media influence you, whether it's polls, whether it's issues, whatever it is. They must be defeated. Defeating Joe Biden defeats the Democrat Party media. And all the hate and the poison that goes with it. What is this election about? This election is about you. All elections are about you. It's about your children and your grandchildren. It's about future generations. What kind of country do you want to leave them? I have this 110-page communist manifesto that almost nobody's read. It is a disaster. How are we going to eliminate all carbon dioxide by 2035? That's in 15 years. Get it down to zero. Ladies and gentlemen, carbon dioxide is not carbon monoxide. We've said it a billion times here. Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. Carbon dioxide is in the atmosphere. Without carbon dioxide, you vegetarians can't eat. Matter of fact, none of us can live because plants create oxygen and they need carbon dioxide to do it. So if you have a little bit more carbon dioxide, you know what you have, Mr. Producer? More plants. They don't talk about the Amazon forest anymore. Why is that? But when you go through this document, it's all about racism. It's all about redistribution of wealth. It's all about destroying the progress, the economic progress of this country, destroying the energy sector. I don't care what Joe Biden says in western Pennsylvania and other parts of the country that have fracking and produce oil and natural gas. This document attacks you. It will destroy you. And that's just the beginning. You are effectively going to lose your private health care. Now, I know Harris said it, and then she pulled back, and, no, we're not, we're not going to. Of course you are. There's going to be so many regulations, so much massive taxation on these insurance companies, you're not going to have private health care. They're going to do it through the back door. They lie about it. That's what they do. They also talk about just in, the cl- in, in schools. They want culturally, support culturally diverse education. What the hell does that mean? I'm telling you, it's page after page after page of this stuff. That most of you are unfamiliar with because you haven't read it. Unfortunately, I've had to read it. They strengthen public sector unions. Gee, I wonder why they do that. They strengthen all their power bases, all of them. They eliminate right to work and right to work states in order to expand private sector unionization. Not to help blue-collar workers, not to help the middle class, to help the Democrat Party. They want to end solitary confinement. I'm just going through some of this. I mean, they want to push for the closure of jails and prisons. You got that? Uh, If you're going to hire somebody, they want to eliminate the fact that they have to reveal that they've been felons. Is that okay with everybody? They want to immediately withdraw the Trump administration's guidance advising prosecutors to pursue the highest penalties possible for certain of the major federal offenses. 
You only want to appoint prosecutors who believe in criminal justice reform. So you're going to see Soros and those guys. I mean, it is line after line, page after page of this stuff. Immigration enforcement, reverse the 287G. That means locality, that means the federal government will abolish the coordination with localities and states when it comes to identifying illegal aliens and deporting them. Unbelievable. It's got a whole affirmative action plan for the hiring of law enforcement. And it goes on and on and on. They're going to nationalize more and more land and for the federal government to own. They're going to have these massive standards on uh, cars and trucks. They're going to put back the Obama standards, which means what? Which means, number one, I don't even know that they can be produced, but even if they are, they're going to be very light, therefore they won't be able to protect you in an accident, and the cost is going to be through the roof for a car. Through the roof. And they're going to waste hundreds of billions of dollars on electric vehicles. I don't even know how this is supposed to work. When you look at a state like California, which has brownouts and blackouts, how are you going to have electric vehicles? They go on and on about environmental justice. Environmental justice. And the communities that are impacted particularly by environmental injustice. Whatever that means. Yes. So, it's page after page. And you should see the radicals who were involved in this stuff. AOC is one of them. This Pramila Jayapal from Washington State, she's another one. They picked the most radical people they could. LGBTQ, affirmative action rights. Eliminate racial, gender, and geographic health inequities. I have no idea what that means. No idea what that means. But it doesn't sound like it's, it's rational. And uh, securing universal health care through a public option. Did you hear that? So the public option will swallow the private sector. The public option is the back door through government-run health care. And uh, eventually they want to have a guaranteed, minim- uh, guaranteed minimum income. I mean, I'm telling you folks, you, uh, you have no idea what's in here. The media do not discuss this. Instead, we have to watch the poor president, every step he takes is supposed to be controversial. Now, what is this election about? It's about how many times they counted the president interrupting, even though they don't explain why he interrupted. And I played for you how, how Joe Biden treated Paul Ryan, and that obviously the president and his people were aware of it, and they were not going to allow that to happen. But what is this election about? Is it about a debate? Or any debate. Is it about an inter- We know what this election's about. We know what it's about. We don't even need another debate. I don't mind them. Don't get me wrong. That's not my point. What I'm saying to you is, you and I know what this election's about. It's freedom versus tyranny. It's capitalism versus socialism. It's prosperity versus poverty. It's a colorblind society versus a tribalized society. They want to destroy the Supreme Court. Why? They want to destroy the filibuster rule. They want to they pack the uh, Senate. 
because they want permanent power. They don't want anything in their way. This is their chance. They're going to take this 110-page Communist Manifesto, put a one-pager on it, call it H.R. 1, piece of legislation, adopt it, and then your nation's over. Well, we'll go to the courts. They're going to run the courts. What is this election about? Well, every time I do Levin T, excuse me, uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox, I end the program with a short monologue. I don't begin it with a monologue like the other hosts. I end it. I sum it up. No more than two or three minutes. And this is what I said last night. Go. When I talk to you as a fellow citizen, I get so frustrated with the debates that take place on television and on radio in most places. Well, did he interrupt too many times? Well, was he too hot? Well, did he call names? Well, did he do this or that? This is our country. This is our election. Everything's on the table here. The Democrats want to change this country. They want to turn it into a post-constitutional, post-Republican type of society. Bernie Sanders' agenda is on the table. They're telling us. They're telling us what they're going to do. They're not hiding it from us. They're going to burn down the Supreme Court by packing it. This was tried before. It was denounced before. They're going to do it. They're going to add four Democrat senators to the Senate. Why? Because they're going to have the power to do it. They're going to change the way we legislate so nothing can be slowed down. Nothing can stop them. They want to change our electoral process so only Democrats are represented in Congress. Only Democrats have power to elect a president. Rural areas, suburban areas, the areas of the country that that produce the food and produce the energy will have no representation. This isn't a joke. This is serious as a heart attack. This is what the election's about. The 1619 Project, it exists to destroy the minds of our kids, to brainwash them against this country. You see what's happened in the streets. They don't even acknowledge the presidential nominee of the Democrat Party doesn't even acknowledge the existence of Antifa, a Marxist anarchist organization that says it wants to destroy our country and burns our streets. Now, this election is a big deal. If you're still on the fence, I don't know what kind of fence you're sitting on. And if you're leaning towards Joe Biden, he says, I am the Democrat Party. He ain't kidding. If you're leaning towards Joe Biden, this is what you're going to get. There's a reason why he won't tell you whether or not he supports stuffing the Supreme Court, because he does. There's a reason he won't tell you about the nominees that he has in mind, because they're radicals. This election is crucial. Are you Thomas Paine? Are you Paul Revere? Now's the time to speak up. Now I'm back live. I want to briefly talk to you senior citizens, specifically in these battleground states, but all senior citizens. I guess I'm a senior citizen now, Mr. Producer, anybody over 60, but particularly anybody over 65. They say that your support for the president is weaker than it was four years ago. That's what they say. They say that more of you are going to vote for Joe Biden than vote for Donald Trump. Please don't call me and say, well, I'm not. I understand that. I'm not talking to any individual. I'm talking about an aggregate. And I listen to this and I think to myself as a father and a grandfather. You are prepared to vote for an agenda that undermines our constitution, that undermines our economic system, 
that destroys our national borders? That expands welfare to illegal aliens who step foot into this country? That destroys Medicare by lowering the age from 65 to 60 and puts so much pressure on the system it's going to collapse? That promotes indoctrination in our elementary and middle and high schools against the founding of this nation called the 1619 Project, which attacks the 1776 history of this country? You're prepared to vote for a party that treats law enforcement and the military worse than shabbily? That lets looters and rioters out back to loot and riot some more out of court? You're prepared to leave that kind of a country to your children and your grandchildren? This is my generation I'm talking to, senior citizens. I'm not exactly a senior citizen, but I'm talking to you. You know what my father would say to you? What the hell's wrong with you? It's time for the greatest generation to step up, not step back. What's left of the greatest generation? So many have passed away. Since when do we reject our Constitution? Since when do we reject capitalism? Since when do we reject law and order and honest judges who rule based on the law, not their ideology? Since when do we support a party that's telling us it's going to destroy the Supreme Court and pack it with ideologues? Since when do we back stuffing the Senate with so many members of one party, you're going to have one party rule for 100 years? Since when do we support eliminating a rule in the Senate that allows Congress to push through any single law it wants? Jefferson called this the tyranny of the legislature. Tyranny comes in different forms. It comes in different clothes. Just because you vote for people doesn't mean they're not tyrannical. You want to abolish the electoral college so only the cities rule the country? It's exactly what the Democrats want. What about the people who produce our food in the Midwest? What about the people who produce our oil and our gasoline? Whether it's western Pennsylvania or Alaska or other places of this country. We need these people and they have a right to representation. Senior citizens, you're going to do this to this country? You're going to turn this country over to these radicals? Why do you think Kamala Harris is in line? Why do you think she's alive? She's to the left of Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders isn't even a Democrat. He's registered as a socialist Democrat. And you're going to hand this country over in one vote? In one vote? To the rabble in the streets? To the rabble in Congress? You're prepared to do that, seriously? To your own children and grandchildren? I hope not. Because you will betray them. Your own flesh and blood. I'll be right back. Lovin. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. 
but the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane, but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Hi, Mr. Producer. Thank you for your patience on this today. I'm following up to confirm that Mr. Levin's page distribution should be restored over the next couple of days. Please let me know if you have any questions. My best, uh, a, uh, an official with Facebook. Now, let me just say this. There was no reason for any of this. Any of this. It was very wise of Facebook to back down and back off. Because I was gearing up for a hell of a battle, wasn't I, Mr. Producer? All day long. My wife involved, Mr. Producer involved. My wife's an excellent lawyer. And Lynn, Lynn Wood involved. So I was ready. Uh, but bef- before I let them off the hook, after the bottom of the hour, I'm going to tell you what they were slapping me over. It's absolutely shocking. And and let me tell you something. If Biden wins, they're going to be back. And I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. Now, you all are familiar with Dan Bongino on this program. He uh, used to do it a lot, sub here. He subs now and then. He's become very busy because he's a superstar, and he should be. And not just on uh, podcasts, but on TV. And the reason is he's courageous, he's a patriot, and he's smart. He also happens to be a dear friend of mine and my wife and the family here. And uh, Dan, uh, I wanted you to come on so you could speak to this national audience that considers you one of us. Thank you. And let them know what's going on in your life. 
Uh, I appreciate that, Mark. You are a dear friend. You and your wife, you've uh, just been amazing to me, always checking in on me. And, um, you know, you don't have that many good friends in your life. You're lucky to have them. Uh, so uh, long and short of it is I found a lump in my neck a couple weeks ago. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a fatty tumor, which is in most cases are just completely benign. I've had a few of them before. So uh, I went for an MRI, really, to just uh, because it was in my neck, and I wasn't really concerned. I thought it was just a matter of, you know, finding out where the fatty tumor ended so we could cut it out. I never thought that the um, the doctor would tell me, you know, it was a tumor, and it was definitely not, in fact, a fatty tumor. Uh, so that was hard to take. Um, so I'm up in New York now. Everything moved fast, thanks to, you know, friends like you and others who connected me with the right people. And um, I'm up in New York. I'm having surgery on uh, on Wednesday, so two days from now to remove uh, as much of this tumor, it's a rather large one. It's seven centimeters by seven centimeters um, from my neck, and we're just, you know, hoping it's not a particularly aggressive tumor. So that's the the uh, Reader's Digest version. It's been a tough couple weeks, but uh, I've told you most of that on phone calls. It's, it wasn't easy to digest. Now, because it's a very serious operation, the location of the tumor, and I'm not going to get into any more details, but it's this is a... Uh, yeah. This is, this is, uh, but you know what? You're a fighter. You see what the president does and goes through. You're going to do the same thing. You'll come out the other end because you're a fighter. And, um, and, yeah. and, and we need you. Yeah. Thank you, my brother. It's, it's been, yeah, it isn't a bad spot. Um, unfortunately, it's close to my vagus nerve, vocal cords, all kinds of sensitive stuff. So it's, it's, if you had to put a tumor in a really awful spot, that's, uh, probably the place you would put it so yeah but you're right it took me a day or two to um really digest what was happening um i'd like to think i was tougher than i was sometimes but the first day or two was hard but now you know it's okay i'm optimistic i feel great your listeners are great um i'm doing good and i want everybody to know i mean that from it's not some kind of you know let me try to make people feel better i really am i'm doing good i'm optimistic and these doctors are super smart and uh i I trust them completely and if people want to because people love you and they want to express that. They should go to your Twitter site, right? Wouldn't that be the place to go? And they can say whatever they wish to say there. You're not asking. Yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, my uh, Facebook, <coughs> Twitter, my parlor. I, I read as many comments parlor. as yeah. I can. And uh, people put messages on there, too, um, on, the, on the first. So I try to read as many as I can. And, you know, people have my emails on my website. So mm-hmm. people go there, too. And, Mark, i got to tell you, the stories are touching. I know. This has hit, you know, your family, too. And there hasn't, sadly, there isn't a person, I think, on Earth who hasn't been touched by a friend or a family member or themselves, you know, with the diagnosis like this. And it's really devastating to hear. Um, you know, and the stories people tell you, you know, your listeners, listen, I, I, I love my audience, but there is, a, you know, your audience is as loyal as any audience I've ever seen. And um, you know how they are. They're just great people. And they send you deeply personal touching stories that really, you know, bring me and my wife and, and I did really emotional moments. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible. You know, you didn't ask me to do this. And so if it sounds crass, blame me. Um, you actually have a book. <laughs> the timing couldn't be worse, but you have a book coming out today. <laughs> yeah. It's called Follow the Money. And we're going to have you on for a good chunk uh, next week. The shocking deep state connections of the anti-Trump cabal. Mr. Producer, go ahead and put that up and link to Amazon if you would. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this because it's a fascinating book next week. 
Um, and so I won't put you on the spot right now, but I want to encourage people. It's a fascinating book uh, if they Thank want to get are. a copy of that. Also, you've been through what I was through here with Facebook, as I understand it, and Facebook just communicated with us and said... Uh, Thank you for your patience. Now, Dan, you know me. I don't have any patience. That's number one. <laughs> That's and, why I love you so much. Me too. And then, and then they say here, uh, uh, following up to confirm Mr. Levin's page distribution should be restored over the next couple of days. Because I was prepared to go to war uh, brutally tomorrow. Um, and they're, they're wise to step down because the examples they give are so preposterous. I, I, ju- I think these, organiz- these, these massive corporations need to be addressed, not because they're massive corporations. They have special protections, and that needs to stop. Listen, buddy, I told you this. Here's what happened with you and Facebook. You're an expert on this stuff. You have to educate me. Go ahead. Brother, I've been dealing with it for five years now. Our Facebook page is a seven-figure enterprise. It is one of the most popular Facebook pages in the country. There's a social media account on Twitter called Facebook's Top Ten, where you can go look. My account is in there every day. Now, there's another account that's in there often and was in there just the other day. Yours. And what happens when conservatives get... And you know who does Facebook's top ten, by the way? A guy from the New York Times. And the reason he does it, the account, is to highlight conservative pages' success on Facebook for what? So that Facebook goes and hammers them. So I'm talking to Mr. Producers when I see Rich. You know why you guys got hammered today with a fake fact check? Because it happens to me all the time. Because they're not real fact checks. Because you guys were one of the top Facebook posts in the country. Again, some liberal got his underwear in a wad and went to Facebook and got a fake fact check and probably sicked them on you. And that's what they do. And what they do is they restrict your page. And if you get a few strikes against you, they ban your page. Now, what the liberal guy didn't intend on doing was pissing off the great one and his 15 million whatever listeners. And that's a really bad business model. And that's a big mistake. And one thing Facebook doesn't like is crappy PR. And you have to fight back. I told you that. I'll tell anyone else out there, too. Don't take it lying down. Facebook is full of crap. They go after conservative pages all the time. And, Mark, you know why your page is popular? It's not advertising. It's not gimmicks. It's because people like your content. And you know what happens, Mark? That drives liberals insane, that their content sucks and yours doesn't drives them nuts, and, and they don't want fair competition. They don't want fair competition. They want you to shut up because your page is effective, period. And they don't like it that you're talking about them. Mm-hmm. Well, I still don't trust them, so we're going to still respond to them. Uh, we're going to want to, what do you mean restored in the next couple of days? How many days is that? Why? Um, restored immediately. You have yes. one of the most popular pages in the country. The election's in 20 days. So for, what, 48 hours, one of the most popular conservative talk radio voices in the country. That's just a matter of fact. That's not my opinion based on the numbers. They're going to shut you down for a couple of days while they do what? Roast s'mores and eat lollipops? Have it, have it put back right. If anyone on Facebook is listening, and I know they are, put it back tonight. Not mm-hmm. tomorrow, not in 10 minutes. Put it back 15 minutes ago. The message needs to get out. These, and people, you know- these people need to be sued over this. And they, they, uh, they deleted completely some of the posts. They blocked the language and placed that over some of the posts. So this means all block posts will be lifted. All deleted posts will be restored, correct? Uh, That's what we're going to ask not. them. Probably not. I would venture to say no. I mean, this happened to me. I got fact check. I am not kidding. For an article at Bongino.com, 
Mark, we literally, not figuratively, we literally quoted Nancy Pelosi in the headline. You know, quotations for the liberals this thing? <laughs> that means he actually said it. They fact-checked the quote. They said the quote was without context. You know what the problem was? The context was in the damn article. All you had mm-hmm. to do was read it. They actually fact-checked us and tried to demonetize our page for that. That's what fake books What You want to know one of the ones they hit us on? What? The Director of National Intelligence letter? Oh, what did they say? Is that no out of context? Is that I linked to that. I, I gave my own opinion on that. And yeah, that was out of context. That, that, that is there. And what they do is they have an army of buff, liberal buffoons, total losers. And they're, they're usually like 19 or 18. They're supposed fact checkers. And they sit there and this is how they make their money. They go after conservative pages and they invent fake fact checks. Now, keep in mind, Mark, you rendered an opinion on the letter. So it's not a fact check. It's an opinion check. Which is totally, and they, they just don't like your opinion. It is really that simple. Facebook hates you, hates me, and can't stand conservatives. And it, it's sickening. It really it makes. And by the way, they say they're going to demonetize me. I don't monetize my page. They don't even know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, no. What they're going to do to your page is they're going to restrict access. Meaning, you can tweet. I mean, excuse me, Facebook, and put it on Facebook, but no one's going to see it. Not your regular viewers who listen to your show and watch your Facebook feed every day. They're not going to see it. They're going to tweak the algorithm so that your page doesn't get out there. And that's the real scandal. They forget the monetization. I mean, honestly, I mean, my Facebook page generates good revenue, but I don't really care about that. I really don't. I mean, it doesn't, the money part is... Now, by that, you mean people would actually have to go to the site as opposed to being alerted. People would have to go to Facebook.com, I think it's what, Mark Levin Show, and they would have to actually go to your page to see the post. Everyone else will get restricted. Let, let me ask you this, Dan. I was literally thinking of saying, you know what, screw you people, I'm leaving. And then people, family members and friends are saying to me, no, 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 don't do that. You got too many friends. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a mistake. I, I, and listen, I, I have a part ownership in, in a competitor, and I don't tell people. To Set Parlor, we love Parlor. I love it too. And this is what I, I know you're on there, you're active on there. I tell people all the time, make Parlor your home where you post, and still post on Facebook and Twitter. That way you're home. You know we're not going to ban you. They're not going to ban you. We're not going to restrict your speech. We're not going to stick a fake fact checker on you. And that way you have a backup. You have a home. But I, I agree. I don't think you should leave either. Why should we see the platform? How do I have over a million, what do you call them on Parler? Friends, followers, whatever we oh, call followers. them. Yeah, followers. Yeah, yeah. And Facebook, I'm, I'm stuck. I've been stuck at 1.5 million for like a year. Uh, you, want me to, you want to know why? I'll give you the answer, because I know how this happened at Parler. All we did at Parler is what Facebook should be doing. When you have a popular account like you, Hannity, Rush, what you do is you put that on the top, recommended followers. Why would you recommend them as followers? Because you already have a lot of followers. That's why. You don't recommend Joey Bag of Donuts on the, on the corner. I may love the guy, but he's selling bagels on the corner. Nobody knows. <laughs> popular guy. When we put you up on Parler as a recommended follower, you got like 900,000 followers in two weeks because everybody's like, oh, great, Mark Levin's here. Facebook does the opposite. They hide you. You're like never a recommended follower on Facebook because they want you buried because your voice is so powerful. They don't want people to hear it. Isn't it we have people on Twitter trying to take us out, and so far Twitter hasn't done anything to us. Well, I guess they're next. I'm not allowed to run ads. Though. They banned me four years ago from running ads and uh, – and now we're, you know, I have their primary competitor, so I don't really care about that. I just, I think that's wonderful. You're yeah. saying, okay, screw me. Now I'm competing yeah. against you. Yeah, and it's fun. 
and I love it because we now have you know uh, almost five million users. So you know, don't don't ever get me upset. I'm like uh, David Banner. You're not going to like me when I'm angry. You know. Well, Dan, uh, God bless you, my friend. We'll keep track of this. The audience is going to want to know too. America loves you, and uh, if people want to get follow the money, it's there. It's linked. It's in Amazon. We'll talk about it at some length next week, but uh, God bless you, and we're all praying for you. Hey, hey I just want to tell your listeners what a good man you are, because you won't. Nah, You're not right. that kind of guy. Folks, this guy called me at 8 o'clock this morning. Check. All right. That's the kind of guy. No, no, not our, it's, you are a good man, Mark, and every one of your listeners needs to hear it, because you're humble about it, too. Thank you. Well, God bless you and your beautiful wife and your kids. Thanks. We'll see you in a bit. All right, bud. Take care. All right. Dan Bongino. I'm looking for it, Mr. Producer. I don't know what the hell I did with it. Crazy. Should we come back and then I'll do it? We'll be right back. Lovin. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So, folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. So now we are going to answer Facebook, right, Mr. Producer? We're going to ask them, what do you mean you're going to return us in a couple of days? What's a couple of days? Will you restore the articles that you removed? And will you remove the language that you placed on the links that were on the site? And so we shall see. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't like authority. I really didn't. I followed teachers. I followed this. I tried to be a good kid, and I was a very good kid. I really was. I never got in trouble. Never, and that I can think of. But all that said, all that said, I don't like bullies, and I never have. Even as a young teenager, wasn't the strongest kid on the block, but the bullies knew to leave me alone. Because I didn't back down. I don't like bullies. Facebook is a bully. Twitter is a bully. Google is a boogie. A a boogie too, maybe. (laughs) But definitely a bully. (laughs) And the idea that they would try and shut me down for linking to legitimate stories, giving opinions that they don't like, three to four weeks before a general election, all of a sudden... Even going back and fishing. 
I wasn't born yesterday. I also know if I didn't have this microphone, a megaphone, that it will be much more difficult to deal with this. I really want you to go to Parlor and sign up, the Mark Levin Show Parlor. I really do. It is a true free speech forum. Our buddy Bongino has a small ownership in there. The owner is a really, really good guy. He doesn't get into politics. He's into speech. Go to Parlor, Mark Levin Parlor, and sign up. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Three wild hours. Stick with us every evening right up to Election Day. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The President of the United States walks to his helicopter. The helicopter brings him to the White House. He walks out of the helicopter into the White House and then videotapes a message for all of you. Just minutes ago. And by the way, doesn't he look great, Mr. Producer? Terrific. On his best day, Biden can't look like Trump. Let's take a listen. Go ahead. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went. I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune, I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there, be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved, and the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. That's a leader. That's a leader. He wants you to be careful, and you should be. Particularly if you're elderly, particularly if you have a morbidity, if you're overweight, if you have heart disease, asthma, diabetes, you know who you are. You need to be careful about the flu, too. And so be careful. You can live your life and be careful. 
And that's all he's saying. They twist his words, they spin his words, they project uh, uh, all kinds of nastiness on top of this man, and yet Donald Trump has done more to wrestle this virus than Joe Biden ever could do, and that the Democrats in the House and the Senate would ever do. Not once did you hear them come to a microphone, not once, and say, we're in this together. On this issue, we're going to work with the president. We'll try and figure out what's it. You never heard them say that. Ever. Ever. Because that's not who they are. All weekend long. All weekend long. Oh, my God. If you only watch CNN and MSNBC, I mean, you're dealing with an unreality that is so horrific. And I have to say, uh, well, I better not, Mr. Producer. I'll get in trouble again. You know what I'm saying? We can't do that. Can't do that here. (laughs) Now, I want to get the polls. Polls, polls, polls are all over the map. You know, there's a good new um, site. See if I can find the name. National Patriot, is that the name of it, Mr. Producer? I'm trying to find it. The National Pulse. This is a great news site. I want to encourage you to, to take a look at it, the National Pulse. And I'll, I'll circle back because people have been using it all day today without attribution, I'm sure. So first I want to give you a poll from October 18, 2016. October 18, yellow, 2016. And it's CBS. Hillary Clinton leads Donald Trump by 14 points nationally. That's what it says. That's what it says. Poll. Hillary Clinton leads Donald Trump by 14 points nationally. October 18, 2016. CBSnews.com. Think they were wrong? Folks, I don't know which poll's right, which is wrong. It doesn't matter. They don't decide the election. You decide the election. I always say, fight like you're behind. Whether it's sports, whether it's the military, especially whether it's politics, fight like you're behind. And if you're not, then maybe you'll win a landslide. We're going to need a landslide because of all the cheating that's going to go on. So, none of this matters. But it's worth looking at. So after that, we have Biden's national lead over Trump jumps to 14 points after debate. It's identical, really, to the other one I just read, do you? And today's October 5th. Joe Biden's national lead over President Donald Trump nearly doubled after Tuesday's presidential debate with voters by a two-to-one margin that Biden has the better temperament to be president, according to new NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. Now, I don't know who they're polling, but Biden is like a beached flounder, flopping around. He's had, and he stares into the... The TV camera with his hands out, shaking. I don't know, that kind of looked scary to me, like he was a zombie or something. Maybe it's just me. But why should this even affect a voter when you know it's on the line? When you know liberty versus tyranny is on the line? When you know your livelihood and your lifestyle and that of your children and grandchildren is on the line? They could both stand up there and stand on their heads, it wouldn't matter to me. Would it to you, Mr. Producer? I already know how I'm voting, but okay. Now, that's 14 points, right? 
Then we go to John Zogby's strategies. And he's no friend of Trump's. Brother's a kook. May I say that? I think I will. Former Vice President Joe Biden was leading President Trump by only two points, 49 to 47%. Zogby's July 8 poll had found that Biden was leading Trump by seven points. The August poll said that Biden was leading Trump by six. Now it says by two. And they surveyed 1,006 likely voters across the nation and stated that Biden is leading among Democrats, 91 to 8%, voters 18 to 29, 60 to 35%, those 30 to 49, 50 to 45%, and among women, 56 to 41%. This is why Tara Reid, who was on 60 Minutes Australia, not 60 Minutes America, I don't think Biden's running for president of Australia, is he? Did you hear what she said that Biden did to her, Mr. Producer? He effectively raped her. Effectively raped her. Anyway, progressives support Biden 85 to 15%. It goes on and on. Moderates, 58 to 36%. He's leading among Hispanics, 61 to 34. That's not great. Blacks, 87 to 11. If Trump can get 11% of the black vote and 34% of the Hispanic vote, he's a shoo-in. Trump, the poll wrote, leads among fellow Republicans 94 to 6%. Voters 50 to 64, 53 to 45 percent. Voters over 65, 50 to 47 percent. Those are the ones I was talking to last hour. Like, what's up? Evangelicals 68 to 32 percent. Conservatives 78 to 18 percent. Very conservative. That would be people like me. 92 to 8 percent. He also is ahead among whites, 56 to 40 percent. I guess we have to hate whites. And parents of children under 17 living at home, 54 to 40 percent. Isn't that interesting? And Zabi writes, contrary to my own observations, this is in Daily Wire, looks like the president has not been hurt by his debate performance nor his hospitalization. His 47 percent performance is actually one point higher than his vote percentage in 2016. For now, he appears to have consolidated his base of whites, parents, conservatives, men, and his own party's voter, uh, voters. Joe Biden looks as if he's on his way to doing the same with his base. His numbers among Hispanics are respectable, but not quite at the 66-67 he really needs. The same with blacks. His 86% is better than our last poll, but he needs to hit 90. This is why, and I kept telling you why, I told you... You know, two Augusts ago, I told you why they were going after Trump on race. Because it was showing that black males, 20 to 25 percent of black males were thinking about voting for Trump. So they have to, are you a, a white supremacist or do you, uh, uh, are, you going, are you prepared to say that you're against white supremacy? And everybody said, where the hell did that question come from? Well, that's why. That's why. Uh, let's see uh, here. His 86%, that is uh, Biden's with blacks, is better than our last poll, but he needs to hit 90%. Especially in those key battleground states of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Georgia. Biden's 60 to 35% lead among younger voters is about where he needs to be. Our last poll had Biden leading strongly among independents, but now the two candidates are tied with 12% undecided. 
Just so you know, Zogby got 49 out of 50 states right in 2008. Douglas Samuelson wrote about Zogby's predictions in 2016, which were actually quite good as well. Uh, and uh, so we have two opposite polls. So what does this mean? So you go to the, da- the National Pulse. I read this stuff morning, noon, and night. This is a site I, th- I said you really need to check it out. The National Pulse. And one of the reasons is the editor-in-chief is Rahim Kassam, who is terrific. A new poll from the Democracy Institute and the Sunday Express reveals that the election would look like if pollsters didn't routinely weight their samples heavily in favor of Democrats. Donald Trump comes out ahead by one point. As reported by the National Pulse Editor-in-Chief, Rahim Kassan, pollsters routinely created a weighted sample that overrepresents Democrats in order to create a false impression that Republican candidates are trailing. The latest Biden-Trump head-to-head poll from the NBC Wall Street Journal, that's the one that says, oh, Biden's 14% ahead, does precisely that. Now a Sunday Express Democracy Institute poll shows Donald Trump in the lead because it doesn't weight against Republicans. The Sunday Express, David Maddox reported as follows. The monthly Democratic Institute Sunday Express poll for the presidential election shows Trump is still on course for victory with 46% Versus Biden with 45. The poll was completed after the news broke. The president and his wife, Melania, had been infected with COVID-19. But 68% said the illness would not affect their vote, while 19% said they were more likely to support Trump. Only 13% said less likely. It's one of the reasons you've had a Trump bait for three days. Trump didn't tell us. Trump was irresponsible. And Trump doesn't like the Secret Service. All lies. Crucially, Mr. Trump's lead in key swing states, including Florida, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, remains at 4% by 47% to 43%. While other polls have Biden ahead, the Democracy Institute, which correctly predicted Brexit and Trump's win in 2016, only considers people who identify as likely voters, rather than all registered voters, and also asks about the so-called shy vote. So while the NBC Wall Street Journal poll sampled eight percentage points more Republicans, the Democracy Institute poll's methodology is more fair, he writes. The national poll has a margin of error point, excuse me, 2.5. And so they have the turnout model as 37% Democrat, 35% Republican, 28% Independents. 37, 35, 28. So who's right? I have no idea. No idea. I just don't want you to be dispirited with this. Well, Biden's 14 points hit. Does anybody believe that Biden's going to beat Trump by 14 points, Mr. Producer? I mean, seriously, folks. In 2004, when I was sitting behind this microphone, Mr. Producer will tell you, he's been with me every step of the way. And the numbers were coming in from the... What do they call them? The, uh, the, when they don't have the vote, when they start asking the exit polls. They had Kerry leading Bush by 16 points in Pennsylvania. Remember that? And I said to Mr. Producer and you, my audience, uh, don't follow these exit polls. They're way off. 
I had callers calling in ready to jump off the roof. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. These exit polls are wrong. I'm telling you they're wrong. There is no way Kerry beats Bush by 16 in Pennsylvania. He may beat Bush in Pennsylvania, but not by 16. It's not going to happen. And, of course, it wasn't even close. So I want you to think, nationwide, for Biden to beat Trump by 14 points. Nationwide. That means he kills in virtually every state, including some red states. You think Biden's capable of that? Regardless, remember, and I'm going to tell you every night, you're the Paul Revere's, you're the Thomas Paines of our era. We must save our country. This election is about saving our country, saving it from the radical left that is going to destroy it. They're going to destroy it in ways they've told us, and they will destroy it in ways they haven't told us. Now, I want you to look around. Do you love your country? I want you to look at your family. I want you to think about generations yet born. I want you to think about the sacrifice of men and women who have come before us. We need to turn out in mass, in massive numbers, to crush our opponents. You can't rely on the RNC or the old alphabet in Washington. The Democrats are outspending us everywhere. Why? I don't know and I don't care at this point. You. You. Not what are we going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? You know how that annoys me. Hey, hey, what are we going to do about it? Okay, thank you. And they hang up and eat spaghetti. No, that's not it. You're responsible for five to ten votes. If they're going to vote for Trump. Mark, do you do this? You damn well I do it. Today I went into uh, my, my barber shop. Oh yes, I do. I get a haircut. Mostly it's my, my, my beard. And it's a wonderful lady. She's Vietnamese background. And I said, are you voting? She said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to vote. And I told her, vote in person. I hope you're going to vote for Trump. She said, I am. I said, okay, you're on my list. I'm going to keep reminding you. I'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. I want you to listen to Andrew Cuomo today, the failed governor of uh, New York who gets a pass from the media and who has more blood on his hands than you can imagine. Hat tip, right scoop. Listen to this. Go. 
you're dealing with government saying to religions, you shouldn't have uh, more than X people in your church or your mosque or your temple. That's a politically uncomfortable situation. You know, I have to say to the Orthodox community tomorrow, uh, if you're not willing to live with these uh, rules, then I'm going to close the synagogues. You're going to close the synagogues? He'd never say that to Muslims. I'm going to close your mosque. Let me tell you something, a-hole. You don't have the power to do that under the federal constitution. The federal constitution trumps you. You sh- It trumps you. This piece of crap shuts down any synagogue or church or even mosque. This piece of crap shuts down any of You go right into federal court and have his ass kicked all over New York. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. This is the Octagon of Talk Radio, the Mike Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. There are actually a couple good fights on Saturday. I try not to miss them. I love the UFC. I don't know what it is. I also like Bellator. Mr. Call Screener and Mr. Producer have no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay. Because we have Jeannie Ives who would be a magnificent member of Congress as we continue our effort to take back the House of Representatives out of the hands of Nancy Pelosi and give it back to the people. Jeannie Ives is running in the Illinois 6th Congressional District. How are you? Hey, we're doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Well, it is a pleasure. Tell everybody the nature of your district, some of the towns in your district as a lean Republican or Democrat. Oh, look, this is a great suburban district. It, the position for Congress was held by Henry Hyde and Peter Oscombe, really smart statesmen. And, you know, there's no way that a, a Marxist like Sean Caston should be holding it now. Uh, there's full of enterprising people, but, you know, it got caught up in the blue wave of 2018. And it's not a district that is particularly fond of Donald Trump, I'll be honest with you. But they can't be happy with Sean Caston and, and what he's done, or actually he's done nothing in Congress. Plus, all he wants to do is raise your taxes. That doesn't work in the state of Illinois, and it should be a deal killer. So is it now kind of a marginal district? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, when it was first uh, gerrymandered by uh, the cartographer Mike Madigan, who's been around too long, almost 50 years, 
you know, it was meant to be a conservative district. But you know what happens is when, you, when you're really good at running at least smart government um, at any level and you create better environment for people, well, they move into the district, mm-hmm. and then they bring their voting patterns with them, and that's essentially what's happened. And that, so we're fighting that, to get know, it back. That yeah. happened in my county, Loudoun County, and then what happens is that the developers, they built tons of dense housing, apartment buildings and townhouses, and I'm not against them per se, and you're right, then people leave, the, leave these blue areas, they move into these areas, and then they, they keep voting that way. It's very bizarre. Anyway... Tell us about, you say your opponent is like a Marxist. Tell us about your opponent. Well, you know, anybody who votes 100% uh, with Nancy Pelosi yet represents uh, the suburbs of Chicago, you know he's not voting for his district. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say he's, you know, um, should be a member of the Spice Girls up there, the Socialist Squad, mm-hmm. uh, because he has a less conservative voting record than even AOC, to be quite honest. Wow. He's all, I know, it's hard to imagine. Uh, but he's got a more partisan voting record. What's his name then. again? Sean Caston. Yeah. Sean Caston. Is he? I mean, has he lived in that district his whole life? No, no, not his whole life. Uh, you know, his father set him up in business, and then his father basically wanted him to run and spend a lot of money to get Sean elected against. Uh, by the way, this is what kills you. You know, the Democrats are all about their women, unless they they got a white male that they want in there instead. And so he beat out five uh, Democrat women in the primary because. Mm. He personally funded it, and then his dad uh, put together an IE at the five days before the primary to bash his next nearest opponent. So, what, what's an IE? Back, uh, an independent expenditure group. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty sleazy. Anyway, yeah. uh, now tell us where you stand on some of the issues. Well, look, I mean, if if you're in the state of Illinois and you understand that we have a, uh, you know, we have a problem with public policy, then you're just not paying attention. And I have, I am for low taxes. The state of Illinois, we have the highest tax burden out of any other nation. And the worst pension system, too, by the way. Oh, we're the most bankrupt. I mean, mm-hmm. according to the Mercatus Center, we are the least fiscally stable state. Uh, Moody's has this one notch above junk, the worst credit rating. We are de facto bankrupt as a state, and certainly the city of Chicago. And the answer by the Democrats is always, you know, one more tax increase is going to solve what ails America. That is not true. Uh, but, you know, Kasten's just right in there with the, with the Illinois Democrats that have destroyed the economic opportunity in the state. Voting to blow spending caps. He supports, uh, you know, the progressive taxes on the ballot in the state of Illinois. He wants to repeal the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, which would give everybody in this district, the average family, a $2,000 higher federal tax bill. And, you know, their solution to Social Security is simply to add a 20% tax on it. And that doesn't solve anything. Now, let me ask you this. Um, outspending you, or are you hanging in there? Oh, well, we had a, well, of course they're outspending me, uh, and they're outraising me, but we had a terrific third quarter. We raised over a million dollars in this district, and uh, we're really proud of that. It's not heavy into the packs or anything like that because I'm a first-time challenger, but uh, we're doing terrific. Could always use more, though. What's your background? Um, so I'm a West Point graduate. And I served in the Army for six years, active duty. And I left the Army to raise my five children. And uh, my husband and I have lived here in, for 28 years. In and by the way, very nice lady. Very nice lady. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, I started out on Wheaton City Council just figuring out that, you know, it, it mattered who you elected to public office. And I like local government. I think 
we need to keep government as local as possible, and that's something we should definitely talk about more. And then I realized that if you wanted to protect taxpayers in Illinois, you had to actually go up to Springfield and, you know, beat back the policies that were coming from there. So I spent six years uh, serving on, um, in Springfield as a state legislature, and I took on both parties. I voted against unbalanced budgets and tax hikes that both parties wanted. Uh, I got, you know, earned my conservative credentials. And then in 2018, when our Republican governor basically betrayed everything that Republicans stand for, mm-hmm. I ran against him in a primary for governor and nearly beat him. And he was a billionaire with considerable means. Um, so we came close but didn't quite make it. Mm-hmm. You'd be a wonderful member of Congress. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about your military background. Well, it's interesting because I know you served with Ronald Reagan, and I went into West Point in 83 under the whole Reagan mantra, uh, peace through strength, and, you know, his words were, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Ronald Reagan just didn't just speak the words. He actually took action, deploying the Pershing II missiles, starting with the Star Defense Initiative, Mm -hmm. you know, building alliances with Pope John Paul II and Margaret Thatcher. And, uh, and, you know, and then I saw the fruition of that action when I was stationed in Germany in 1989. The wall came down. So um, it was very remarkable to actually see that if you, you have the right leadership and you take the right action, that you can make a huge difference in the freedom of other people. So that was impressionable on me. Now, if people want to uh, – how's your ground game there? Let me ask that. Oh, my gosh. Our ground game is terrific. Of course, the Democrats are not at the door, and we are at the door. I think over the weekend, uh, well, in the last week, we've made at least 52,000 contacts Great. calling at the door, texting. Uh, we've got a very active ground game. Any polling? Not the polling makes that much of a difference these days. but You know, uh, we have not polled recently. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be honest with you, we're working Probably so smart. hard in every single area that we're going to leave it all out there. We're going to spend every last dime on voter contact to get to let people know. But I'll tell you what, I, I, if you look around at just the activity level, the signs and that thing, we are, we are definitely giving him a run for his money. Is it a big district or a small district? Well, I think you can get uh, anywhere from either side in an hour. So, mm-hmm. But it's a very carved up district, I will say that. It's very gerrymandered. Um, mm-hmm. And again, initially meant for sort of a more conservative uh, type of legislator. But people have there's been a huge demographic shift. Yeah, that's happening a lot. As I say, people are depopulating these blue areas, populating these uh, red areas, turning them purple and blue, and they vote exactly the same. It's amazing. You're trying to escape taxes and all the rest, and then you vote for these things like uh, like you're not going to affect these communities. I, I'm living it myself. Uh, Jeannie Ives, Illinois, 6th Congressional District. It's genieforcongress.com, J-E-A-N-N-E, genieforcongress.com. We're posting it on Mark Levin Show Facebook for now, mm-hmm. Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Parlor. You can go directly, if you're hearing me, genieforcongress.com. She needs your help, America, Levinites. All these uh, members of Congress, they affect us. And if we can get 17, 17 of these solid folks into Congress, we can remove Nancy Pelosi. I'm focused a lot on the House right now as well as the presidency. Thank you very much. What would you like to say? Well, you know, I just wanted to – your listeners really know, need to know who Sean Caston is, though. I mean, honestly, this Go is ahead. a guy who – look, after uh, 
RBG died, the first thing he tweeted out was, don't you blanking dare Mitch. Don't you blanking dare Mitch. But he didn't say blanking, right? Oh, no, he did. He said dot, 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 I-N-G. Oh. Um, and then he, uh, and, uh, you know, he, then he called um, Lindsey Graham a doofus and Mitch McConnell a sniveling sack of hatred. He told gun owners that um, having small genitals is not a sufficient reason to own a gun. He well, well, he would know, apparently. I guess so. Look, he would destroy your Second Amendment rights. Sounds like an idiot. You want to know the truth. Look, he's called his Republican colleagues Nazi sympathizers, and he said oh. that Dan, Dan Crenshaw is a racist over a policy disagreement. And the great hero, Dan Crenshaw. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I mean, this is who this guy is. He, there's no way he should be representing the good people of the 6th Congressional District. There's no way. No, he should be on, like, Saturday Night Live as a, a second-tier well, actor. Well, you know, he thinks he's a rapper. He, he, uh, when he gets angry, apparently he writes rap songs. That's what he said. And he, he rapped out a song. And in it, he called uh, people who disagreed with him uh, deniers, racists, uh, and loony. So now, I'm looking at this guy now. Yeah. He yeah. was born in Dublin, Ireland. I'm just looking at the background here. Um, let's see. What, what did he do with his life? I'm trying to see here. Uh, he went to Dartmouth. So I don't believe Dartmouth is in Illinois either. I'm just looking here. Uh, he believes in civic advocacy. Um, yes. He was, I'm just saying, a non-profit advocacy organization, Northeast CHP Initiative. Uh, that's sort of a mini uh, Green New Deal, isn't it? Yeah, no, he, he's proposed up to a $16 trillion Green New Deal. He said his top priorities are climate change, climate change, climate change. He's a one-track pony on that, and yet he is a hypocrite on that. He is personally invested in biomass companies that give off one and a half times the amount of CO2 than coal does, if you consider CO2 a pollutant, which every third grader knows it isn't. No. Although, I'm not going to say this. I don't want to get you in trouble. All right. Jeannie Ives, Illinois 6th Congressional District. We wish you all the best. America, Levinites, I hope you'll give her all the support you can. She's on our list of people who can flip these districts, and she can flip that district back. And good luck, and God bless you. Thank you so much, Mark. All right, take care of yourself. My wife and I met her. She really is terrific. Terrific. Oh, yes, I'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S.
Over at MSLSD, Joy Reid, who is a renowned bigot, she got a promotion from the new head of NBC. And that's how it works over there. <coughs> Excuse me. I want you to listen to what she said about the president when he saluted uh, when he got back to the White House. Go ahead. This is a, a, a Mussolini moment. Uh, Donald Trump, who looks like he has makeup on, which means somebody had to get close enough to make up his face with his favorite orange patina. He's standing there as if he is, um, you know, a member of the old Russian czar family. Um, I, I don't know what that's supposed to be. I- yeah, you're a very stupid human being. You really are a crackpot. Heartless, moronic, low-IQ buffoon. So you fit right over there at MSLSD with all the rest of them. Stupid comments. You don't even know about Russia and the czarist family and so forth. But why don't we, why don't we uh, bring out all your bigoted posts about homosexuals and so forth? Would you like to do that, Joy? You really are a sick one. These are the Democrats, America. Again, Andrew Cuomo, I want you to listen to this man. I want you to listen how deeply sick he is. And he's really into martial law now. They talk about the president's a dictator. president hasn't done anything that a dictator would do. But these governors have lost their minds. And the leading one is Andrew Cuomo. I want you to listen to how he talks to Orthodox Jews. He and de Blasio... They don't talk to Muslims this way. They don't talk to atheists or agnostics this way. They don't talk to anybody this way but Jews. Listen to this. Go. You're dealing with government saying to religions, you should First of all, he sounds like he uh, used to ride the short bus. Doesn't he, Mr. Bidizer? All right, let's go back to the top. Go ahead. You're dealing with government saying to religions... You shouldn't have uh, more than X people in your church or your mosque or your temple. That's a politically uncomfortable situation. You know, I have to say to the Orthodox community tomorrow, uh, if you're not willing to live with these uh, rules, then I'm going to close the synagogue. Same man who pushed coronavirus-positive individuals into nursing homes, assisted living homes, killed thousands of people, and has lied repeatedly about it, takes no responsibility for it. The legislature doesn't hold him to account. The attorney general is a nut job in New York. She doesn't hold him to account. You've got nut job district attorneys in these various uh, boroughs in New York. Same thing. Let me tell you something, you slob. That's right, and that's a good name for you because I'm on the radio. Let me tell you something, you slob. You don't get to shut down Orthodox synagogues who don't follow your damn rules. And maybe Joy Reid can better understand who Mussolini is in this current society. It's Andrew Cuomo. He's Mussolini. And Joy, you're just an old bigot. There you are, Democrats and and their surrogates in the media, folks. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Welcome home, Mr. President. Welcome home. We're glad you're doing well. And hope Melania is too, and all the other folks. We'll be right. No, we'll see you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.